Hi and welcome to another day of devotions. Today we learn from Jesus himself how to pray. This is so exciting because we are learning how to pray straight from the Master, the Son of God himself. So let's look at a passage which we commonly know as the Lord's Prayer. Look at Matthew chapter 6 verses 7 to 13. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 to 13. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you don't just command us, but you teach us how to commune with you, how to talk to you. And in doing so, Lord, you you assure us of how much you care for us, how much you love us. So help us now, Lord, as we read your word, and then to reflect on it that you teach us your nature and you teach us how to talk to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 6, 7 to 13 And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This teaching begins with how not to pray. Jesus says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. So what Jesus was saying is that there are people, whether they're pagans or they're people who pray to God, who think that with many words, maybe even many good words, God will hear them. I'm not sure what it means by babbling, but I think it doesn't mean speaking in tongues because it says many words. It's more like repeating a prayer like, God help me, God help me, God help me, or something in a frenzy. Or perhaps it could be a formula. Some of us try to learn a formula and there are people who say this is a surefire way of praying if you pray like this surely God will answer and so we have prayers that are so direct God I will take nothing else but this or God I want this flat and nothing else and we think that by praying like that God will have to answer our prayers I've also heard people who will reject any other idea except what they want but the Bible but Jesus says that your father already knows what you need before you ask him. What this means is that prayer is not about twisting God's arm or a surefire way of making God answer our prayers or even manipulating God. There is no such thing as a more powerful or less powerful prayer. Prayer is simply pouring out our hearts to God. And so why do we pray if God already knows our needs? I think it is a conversation with a loving father. Just as your child who loves you very much will just talk to you and tell you what he needs, what he likes, just to keep a conversation because he enjoys talking with you. But you already know what he needs and you're planning what he needs. But still, the conversation goes on and that's where it's beautiful. And so, you don't need to have a formula for prayer. You don't need to have many words, many complicated concepts. Just pour your heart out to God. And so now, let's look at the prayer itself. 
I divided this prayer into six parts. The first three are about God and His nature. See, when you pray to God, you also want to know what sort of God He is, His nature. The more you understand your God and your Father, the more you can pray with all your heart, the more confidently you can pray to Him. But the next three are about our needs. What do we really need in us? And what then do you talk to God about? So let's look at the first three. The first one is our Father in heaven. God reminds us that He is a Father who cares for us. Not only is He God, He is not God who is far away, He is God who is very close to us, our Father. In Matthew chapter 7, just a few chapters later, just a chapter later in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 to 11, Jesus says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus says that we who are sinful and evil, even so we know what is good for our children and we want to give what's good for our children, how much more then will God give us good things? He will not abuse us or give us bad things. Problem sometimes is that we have very different experiences of fathers. Some of us have lovely relationships with our fathers and immediately we understand this because when we ask our fathers for something, our parents give us the best. But some of us don't have that privilege. Some of us have fathers who are abusive or absent, who never listen to us. In this case, these cases, then it's sometimes hard to imagine what God is like, that He is a loving God. I want to tell you the story of Eric. Remember I told you a few days ago about Eric, the one who saw God, saw Jesus just before his execution? Well, Eric's beginning, when I first knew him, he had become a Christian, but he was very, well, he just couldn't sleep. He was very troubled. And for several weeks, he just couldn't sleep. And so I spoke with him and asked him what was wrong. And he said that he, all his life, he had tried to win his father's love, his father's attention. And he was the black sheep of the family. The other, his other siblings were doing very well in life, only he did badly. And so when he was sentenced to death for drug trafficking, his father told his mother, who then told him, he is no longer my son. I will not attend his funeral. In other words, Eric's father had disowned him. Eric, for a man, young man who all his life had been trying to win his father's love, this was the most devastating statement ever. It was like, this is the end of it all. All my life I've been trying to win his favour, and now he doesn't even want me to be his son. And that was what kept Eric awake every night. He asked me what, how I could help him. And I said, well, I'm not sure, but the Bible tells me, and I read from Psalm 139, that whether you're sleeping or you're ri awake or rising, whether you're in the house or you're stepping out, God is with you. And so I told him, if you lie down in your bed at night, think of God sitting next to you, his Father lovingly sitting next to you. A week later, when I went to visit again, Eric was very excited. He said, 
you know, that night when I went to bed, I lay down on the floor, and I tucked myself into bed, imagining my father tucking me to bed. It was something that I wanted so much, I longed for. I'd seen other kids being tucked into bed, and I just wanted my father to do that. But I knew too that that was make-believe, but the moment I pulled the blanket up to my neck, I felt a warmth that I'd never felt before, and I felt so loved. It wasn't the love of my earthly father, it was a love of God, the love of Heavenly Father, who just filled my heart with love and warmed me up. It didn't come from the blanket. It was a warmth that came from within me. And then he fell asleep. This continued every day ever since. That each time Eric pulled the blanket over him, he felt deep love of God right inside him. This turned Eric's life completely around. He began to know a father who loves him. You see, all of us need to experience God's love for us. For some, as I said, it's easy. You've seen your earthly father love you and you know how easy that is. Some of you have it much harder. Each of us will need our own experiences of God's love for us. Secondly, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means revered, that we revere God's name. We Take God's name with respect. Now, it's not so much that if you treated God with disrespect, God is any less, or get, God gets angry. Whether you treat God's name with great reverence or with no reverence at all, God is still God, and King of kings and Lord of lords. But think of it this way, what does it do to you? If all the time you joke about God, you belittle God's name, you use God's name as a, an expletive, you swear and curse at others with God's name. And then when you need God, God is so small in your eyes, how would you even ask God for anything? It's not that God would help you. God would love to help you, but you have already degraded God to such a level that you wouldn't even want to ask a God whom you have joked about, insulted, laughed at. Instead, if you treat God with great reverence, if you know that He is indeed the Creator of all things, that He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, then whenever you need God, you know that you're praying to the most powerful of all things, the Creator of all. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Here it is submission to God's will. To saying, God, I'd so much rather have it your way than my way. You know the future, I do not. The reality is that really we don't know what comes the next second, next minute, the next day. Only God does. And so, we can't even tell what's a good move and what's not a good move. Something may seem good to us and the next moment it turns out bad. Some things may look so bad to us, but the next moment it turns out good. Only God knows. And because only God knows, we learn to say, God, have it your way. It's not even a submission, it's an embracing. You say, God, what better protector, what better father, what better person should I leave my life in? Whose hands should I leave my life? Because God, only you know the future. Some of us have been taught that we be insistent and specific about our prayers. I don't think that should be the case. 
Because you may demand something, you may demand to marry a particular girl, it turns out it's the wrong girl. You may demand to have a particular job, it turns out to be a bad job. How can we insist to God when we don't even know what we're asking for? And so when we say your will be done, we're not just resigning ourselves to, well, God, I've no choice, you're bigger than me. But rather you're saying, God, I want you to be in charge because you alone knows my future. You care deeply for me. God, I want you to take charge of my life. Let your will be done. So these are the three things about God. That God is a loving Father, that God is the most powerful, He's the rock that protects us. And God knows what He's doing and His will is the best for us. Now then we look at our needs. Give us today our daily bread. This is a prayer of dependence. Maybe we have money. Maybe we don't need anyone to supply our daily needs. Maybe we have more than enough money. But we could need many other things. We could need God to work in our relationships, in our homes, with our husbands, our wives, our children. We need God to provide for us in many ways a sense of security, a love. For students, when you go to school, you may you want God to help you in your studies. And while it is a good idea to pray just before you take your exams, may I advise you, pray long before you take your exams. Pray every day when you go to class. God help me to concentrate. God help me to understand. God help me to focus. Because you need all that. What you don't want is a last minute, God, I'm drowning, help me. You want God to help you to really learn every day. And we want to, we depend on God for our work, for our relationships, for everything that we experience each day. So we say, God, give us all that we need. But you know the flip side of praying, God, give us all that we need, is that we surrender our right to boast. If, for example, you pray as a student, you say, God, give me good grades, help me to understand, and then you're a top student. How can you then say, well, actually, I'm smarter than everyone else? Because if you are smarter than anyone else, you don't need to depend on God. So either you depended on God and God helped you, in which case you have no right to boast, or you didn't depend on God at all and you depended right only on yourself, in which case, well, God help you. Because one day you discover that you've reached the end of your abilities, you will still need God. And so when we pray, God, help me, give me my daily needs, we surrender our right to boast at all of anything that we achieve because it was God who gave it to us. And then we go on, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's important that we realize how much we need to be forgiven. Most often, we are not aware of how much we need to be forgiven. We are more aware of how much others have hurt us. So we bear a lot of grudges. But this prayer begins with God, forgive me. Not God, take revenge on my enemies. We pray God, forgive me. Because it forces us to look at our sin. Every day, who have I offended? Have, who have I offended with my words? Who have I offended with my deeds? Who have I even degraded with my mind and my thoughts? Who have I offended? 
when we take time each day to say, God, forgive me, it's important because it, realize, it helps us realize how sinful we are and how gracious God is. And then it causes us also to be more forgiving towards others, knowing that we are all in the same predicament. Forgive us our sins and help us to forgive the sins of others. And finally, lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, sometimes it's hard to understand, right? When you say, lead us not into temptation, like God leads you into temptation. But why don't you understand it this way? Lead me away from temptation. Lead me away from temptation. And when I'm tempted, deliver me from the evil one. This is a prayer that acknowledges how weak and vulnerable we are. We learned the past few days how easily we fall into sin, how easily we stop being a reflection and a representative of God, how often we want to do things, we do things that honour us rather than to do things purely for our love for God. You see, we are so weak and so vulnerable to sin. And so this prayer, Lord, lead me away from temptation. This is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. This is exactly the prayer that we pray. Don't let me be tempted beyond what I'm able keep leading me away from such temptation. When I am tempted, then God provide a way out for me, deliver me from the evil one. So we look at these six parts of the prayer again. We pray to a father who loves you so much. And you need to experience that. You could keep asking God, God, show me how much you love me. And not let God show you we pray to a God who is almighty, who is more powerful than anything you can imagine. We pray to a God who knows what is ahead and cares, wants the best for us. And basically these are our needs, our daily needs that God will provide for us. Job, our relationships, the words we say. We need God's guidance. We need God in every part of our lives. Forgive us our sins because we are well aware of how much we have sinned. And then we are aware also of how vulnerable we are, how easily and quickly we fall and fail. We ask God each day, Lord, stop me from sinning. Now as we pray this prayer, you can use the same words as the Lord's Prayer that you learn, but pray with this understanding knowing that God hears your prayers. So for today, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
God, yours is the glory, the power, forever and ever. Amen. Well, have a really good day and the Lord bless you. See you on Sunday. Do remember to come for service as we take Holy Communion and together we remember God's amazing love for us and we affirm once again that God lives in us. Have a good day.